Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Mosaic. <laughs> so good to see you all. Happy Sunday. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, yeah, it is Memorial Weekend, and today we're talking about communion. And I just want to give a, a warm welcome to any of you who are here for the first time or the second time. Uh, it's really good to see you today. Um, we love you here, and we want you to get connected. Uh, and before we jump in today, I'm just going to pray, ask God to bless our time. So bow your heads with me. Jesus, thank you for this Sunday. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that our, our, our hearts and our ears and our minds would be open to you, God, to hear from you today, Lord. Uh, bless our time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love it. So today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11. So I want you to turn your Bibles. Uh, and as you're turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to be in verses 23 through 26. Scott Hagen writes in his book, the purpose of memories is to keep you grateful. I remember when I was younger, I used to go to my grandparents' house and we would basically, my grandpa and I would walk down to the park and we would go there, we would play basketball together and all these years later, um, I just remember being in that park, my grandpa and I, he was like, you know, 6'1", and I remember the basketball, I remember walking there, it's just not too far from their house, I remember the hot summer days, and we would go there, and my grandma, she took a picture, and years later, my mom brought me this photo album, and she showed me uh, the photo, and I, and I just looked at it, and I, I was, of course, I missed those days, but also, it filled me with memories of gratitude. It filled me with gratefulness, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so grateful that my grandpa used to spend time with me, and uh, he, would, he would hang out with me in that way. And all these years later, I was filled with gratitude. And I think here's the problem. It's easy to forget those memories and those good moments, right? It's easy to be so focused on the present problems of our day. A lot of times our minds can be filled and focused on the problems of the present, and we forget. I think in a day and age where we're bombarded with information every second, it can be easy to forget things. It can be easy to lose sight of the main thing. I think our tendency is to forget, right? I mean, how many of you have been told something and then you just forget it like five minutes later? It happens. Uh, and some of us have really good laser-sharp memory. Praise God uh, for that. So I think communion is similar. It's a photo, it's a picture of what Christ has done for us. In the same way that I looked at that photo of my grandpa and I playing basketball together, it filled me with gratitude and at the table, when we come together, when we celebrate communion, it's a picture of what Christ did for us, and it, it should evoke, I think, a sense of gratitude. And so we're going to read our text today, and so if you've turned there, let, let's turn our eyes to the Word of God, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord, this is starting in verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, Mosaic. Do this in remembrance of me. 
verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So right here in our passage, this is Paul retelling of the Lord's Supper. And there's a word in here, and it says, give thanks. And the Greek word is eucharisteo, and that really, that means to give thanks, to be thankful. And how many of you heard of the word eucharist? Um, some of you may not. It's a very long, it's a, it's a word that's been in the church for many years. It's this idea of giving thanks. When we come to the table and when we break the bread, when we drink the cup, we're giving thanks for what Christ has done. So it means to give thanks. So today, to, to kind of start off, I want to look at a story in the scriptures, and we're not going to turn there, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the feeding of the 5,000. How many of you have heard this story? Raise your hand. So this story is found in the Gospels, and Jesus, um, he's with his disciples, and they're out along, outside, and Jesus basically, um, so basically he starts out, and his disciples are like, hey, like, you know, Jesus, we need to feed these people. But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. The disciples only have five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to arrange the people into a group of 50. Then Jesus looked into heaven and blessed them, and then he broke the bread before the disciples, and then he gave it to them. Jesus blessed, he broke, and he gave the bread. Now I want us to turn our attention to the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is another instance in which uh, Jesus broke bread and he gave it to his disciples. And it was, it was a, a moment in time, and I just want to say this, Communion is not a man-made thing. It is not something that we came up with. Jesus instituted this, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. This isn't something we did, guys. This isn't just a tradition. Not that tradition can be bad, but this just isn't what this is, right? When growing up, I always thought of communion, and I always thought, oh, where is the origin of it? It's Jesus, <laughs> right? It's Jesus. It all came from him, and he started this all out at the Last Supper. He's with his disciples. This is so the context of this is the night before Jesus was betrayed. That's what Paul says. So if we want to understand what's the backdrop, for those of us who want to know, the backdrop is before Jesus goes to the cross. He's about to ascend. And it all, he instituted it. You know, Peter didn't do it. John didn't do it. But Jesus sat at the table. I would assume he was kind of in the middle. He took the bread and he said, guys, this symbolizes my body. And he took the cup. This is my, this is the blood. This is the new covenant. Isn't that amazing? Jesus instituted this. This is straight from him. So the context, the night at which Jesus was betrayed. So that's, we're, we're trying to understand what's the background behind the table where we, where we remember him. So the feast of the unleavened bread. So that's another point in which we have to understand in Luke 22, 1, it says, now the feast of the unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. This is all about the same time. And if you don't know what that is, I'm going to talk a little bit about it just to give us some insight. And this is before Jesus is going to the cross. And this is during the feast of the unleavened bread. Before you just push that aside, it's actually significant, and I'm going to tell you why. In Exodus 13, Moses says this, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand, 
the Lord brought you out of this place, no leavened bread shall be eaten, Exodus 13, 3. So this is a celebration to remember what God did for the Israelites. So back in the Old Testament, God took the Israelites out of slavery, he took them out of Egypt, and brought them freedom. And so this feast, this festival, is to remember. So we're at communion, we're remembering his death, but, but this, this Passover, this unleavened bread, this remembrance was for the Israelites. So they would remember what God had done for them. It can be so easy to forget. Our human tendency is to forget, and we can get caught in the wrong things. And God knew this. God would remind the Israelites time and time again, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget what I did. Don't forget. And they kept forgetting, and they kept forgetting. I'm not here to rattle on them. I'm not trying to make fun of the Israelites. But the reality is that we do forget. We are forgetful, and that's, God knows this. He knows this, and that's why he, he has given us means by which we remember, by which we are able to recall. When it comes to communion, everything else that we do wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for this one thing. And what do I mean? Jesus, his death and his resurrection. At the table, we as a church remember this is our central, po- this is our central point. So I like to have vision. I like to know why sometimes. Well, this is We're gathering together to celebrate him. And, and so, you know, there's so much going on in Christianity, you know, we can get lost, and, and it's good to explore other things, but like, this is it, guys. This is the main thing. When we remember what he did, it changes what we do. When we remember what he did, it impacts what we do. So Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, and gives it to them. So the theme here is that the bread symbolizes the body, the body of Christ, And the cup symbolizes the blood of Christ. The bread was broken, and in the same way, Jesus' body was broken for us so that we could be made whole, so that we could be made right with God. And this is right standing. When When the unleavened bread, the feast of the Passover came, there needed to be a lamb that was sacrificed. And so Jesus is now that lamb. He is now that sacrifice. The bread was blessed, it was broken and given for us. So really what, what, what happens is, because of the gospel, our position now changes. We go from being in, at odds to the Father, now we are in right standing. We have righteousness. And that is a good thing. That is good news. So our, our position changes. And we remember that, right? It's not just about the bread and the cup, but there, there's impact. What happened because of it? We are, brought new, we are brought near to God through the broken body of Christ. The bread represents his body given for us. The veil was torn, and now we can enter into God's presence. So number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to look at the note sheet. If not, that's okay. Number one, the bread represents his body given for us, and the cup symbolizes the blood of Christ. So we've talked about the bread. The bread symbolizes his body. What about the cup? What does the cup symbolize? And, and, you know, if you know this, I just want to encourage you, lean in. Don't just doze off. I, I just, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Let's lean in. I know it can be hard, but, like, I can't talk about communion without talking about what does the bread mean, what does the cup mean. I'm not going to assume everybody knows that today. So let, let's just lean in. So, but it's not just a cup. There's, there's something behind it, right? Notice the word, so in Luke 20, Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is saying, 
that this, this, this new covenant is in his blood. It's not in, another, it's not in another blood, right? So back in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, they would go to the tent of meeting. They would make sacrifices every, you know, almost every day and every year. They had this thing called the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16. If you haven't read it, it's actually interesting. And they would, get, just saying, Leviticus can get pretty cool um, because it actually points to what Jesus has done. It points to the cross um, because we don't have to make sacrifices again and again and again. Because of Jesus. He was our one sacrifice. He was our one, he was our payment. And so that's the difference between the old and the new. So you have the old, the continual sacrifice, and now we have the new, and the one time, the one payment that Jesus paid. So when he's at the, when he's at the table, and he's explaining to his disciples, this cup is the new covenant, we need to pause and think, what does new covenant mean? Oh, it's in his blood, because beforehand, they used to draw near by the means of blood of bulls and goats, but now Hebrews says that Jesus, um, draw, he enters into the holy place not by means of the blood of bulls and goats, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an, an eternal redemption. That's in Hebrews 9. Wow, incredible, right? It's not, it's not the blood of animals anymore, but it's his own blood because life was exchanged for life. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There needed to be a payment. So that's a little background on the blood, right? When you see the cup, it, it symbolizes something. It was a payment. So, it, so that's Leviticus. That's the background. So number two, if you're taking notes, turn your eyes to the note sheet. Number two, communion is a continual remembrance of a one-time sacrifice. So why do we take communion? We take it to remember Christ. The purpose is remembrance. Our tendency can be to forget what God has done for us. The Israelites, they saw mighty acts of God done for them. The crossing of the Red Sea, the manna in the wilderness, and then water from the rock. Those are all stories, and, and I could unpack them, but we don't have time. But here's, here's the reality. God did amazing things on behalf of Israel. He led them out of Egypt. He provided manna in the wilderness. What's going on there? Well, they were grumbling and complaining, and they were on their way to the promised land. They were leaving Egypt where they were enslaved, and God gave them manna again and again and again for 40 years. And so as God provided the manna, so now in the New Testament, when we see the feeding of the 5,000, God provided for, for everyone in the crowd. God is provision. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is provider. So the bread, it's also provision. It was his broken body, but we remember it's actually provision. Jesus provided, he provided manna, and now Jesus is the manna. He is the bread, amen? He is the bread that came down from heaven, and guess what John says? It was not Moses that gave you this bread, but it was my father. My father gave you that bread. Jesus is our bread, so he came down and, and he says in John 6 or 7, I am the bread of life who comes down and gives life to the world. That's good news. Let's remember, this is so much more than just a piece of bread. This is, his, this is symbolic. I, I just get so excited because when I, the more you research and get into it, you know, I, I know not all of us want to learn a ton, but I just think, man, when you get into it, man, when you go to worship God, there's, there's depth. Because when you learn in the word, you're digging a well. And as you dig, I just want to encourage us, like when you're digging a well and you're studying, like I don't care if it's 15 minutes, however long you can, 
dig in, learn a little bit, it's gonna help you. It's gonna help your faith. It's gonna give you more meaning. When you sing things like, thank you for your blood, Lord, it means a whole lot more. And I just think, I just, that's to encourage you to, uh, to feast on the word. So number three, number three at, on the bulletin, at the table, we remember that Jesus changes our position. We are brought near through the blood. Second Corinthians 5 says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become. What? The righteousness of God. Right standing. So we're talking about communion, right? I like to think of it like this. It's our family meal. Think of your table back home, right? You're sitting down. Maybe think of the table you grew up at. You're eating together, right? You know, Thanksgiving or it could be any, any meal. Think of that meal, who is sitting where. Think about the food, the smell of the food. Think about your uncle. Think about your grandma, like the people that were with you. And at the table, as the body of Christ, this is our family meal. This is where you and I will come together and we share a story. That's what families do usually. There's stories in the family. You know, a family story. And what the story does, it actually unites you. I don't know, whenever I've heard a family story shared at the table that I'm at, it unites me. It makes me feel closer. And at the table, we share a story that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Now we've been brought back to life. And that's our story as a church. We have been brought into right standing with God. It's our family meal. We, and at the table, all are welcome. Barriers are broken down, right? When you eat at the table with someone, it's significant. It says something, right? Inviting someone over to your table is a big deal. Another thing, communion is both communal and it's personal, so it's not just something that you and I do as a group, but it's something that we do. It, it, it means something to you personally. And I just want to encourage you today, let it touch your own heart. You know, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about the next person. Don't worry about anyone else. This is between you and the Lord. He wants to remind you. And, and it's, it's beautiful, right? Let it sink in. It's communal and it's, 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 it's personal. It's for you. The table is such a cool picture. It reminds us that we're a family, Right? We, we sit down and we eat together. Have you ever seen the movie Encanto? Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought of this this week. I'm like, they had a family story. If you know the movie, they needed a miracle, right? They needed something. And I think it's so cool because, you know, eventually they do sit at the table and they're not taking communion. But, <laughs> you know, they're, they're at a table eventually in the movie, right? And they're a family and they have a story on which they were... They were rescued, basically. They were wandering. And my question is, how about you? Do you have a family story? In a family, there are stories that are shared. We have a story together. We are brought together. 1 Corinthians says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread that was broken. We all partake of it. So God provided manna in the wilderness. The people of Israel were in the wilderness. They were wandering and complaining, but God fed them. He is provision. Number four, I want you to turn your eyes to the notes if you have them. He is both, number four, he is both the bread that was broken and the bread that satisfies. He is both the bread that was broken and the bread that satisfies. And well, what do I mean? Well, here's the thing. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the bread from heaven. I've given it to you. 
so good. The, the source of the manna wasn't man, but it was actually God. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says in verse 35 of John chapter 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Are you hungry today? Are you thirsty? Come to the table. When you meet Jesus, he will satisfy you. He will fill your heart. Just like the song that we sing, come to the table, he will satisfy. Come wherever you are, come to the table. Are you, are you thirsty? Are you, are you hungry? You know, Jesus is referred to as the bread of life. And, and really, he is the bread. So we see him at the Last Supper, breaks the bread. This is symbolic for the body, right? Let's reel it in. The body and the cup. And so we're talking about manna. God provided his son. So he provided manna in the wilderness. He provided at the feeding of the 5,000. There's all these different stories, right? And now we've come to this place in time where Jesus himself one time comes down from heaven, God incarnate, and then what he does, he actually gives himself as the bread. And John says that he satisfies your soul and he was broken for your sin. (laughs) That's good news. You and me, we can have life everlasting because of the, the broken body. And so it's not just that he died, on, it's he, yes, he died on the cross, but he also gives life to the world. I came that they might have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10. I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. A hired hand doesn't care for the sheep, but I gave my very life down for you and you and you, everyone here. Don't let this go past your ears. He gave his life for you. Isn't that incredible? Like if Jesus were standing right here, he'd just say, like just picture Jesus standing in front of you and saying, I died for you. I want you. I have a plan for you. He wants you to come and accept a gift, right? It's a gift. The bread is a gift. Yeah, so we remember the bread was blessed, the bread was broken, and the bread was given. So in feeding of the 5,000, bread was blessed, broken, given. The Last Supper, Jesus broke the bread, blessed it, and gave it. And now, when Jesus died on the cross, he was blessed by his Father, and then he was broken and given to the world. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a cool connection? It's so much more than just a a ritual we go through. It's about a relationship. It brings us back. It's so incredible to look at the story of the Scripture and you know, I think it really provides this understanding for what really happened. And Jesus says, I do this in remembrance of me. It's simple, but yet profound. Jesus knows that we forget. This is our way. This is our path back. And to, to kind of send it home, guys, like, whatever you're going through, you know, his blood was enough. It was sufficient. This cup was sufficient. When he, when he, when he spilled out his blood, it was enough. So, And through that blood, we have victory. We have victory over the enemy. We have victory to walk with Jesus. And we learn that. We grow up into it when we realize it. So let's break bread together. In Acts 2, Jesus, or in Acts 2, Paul, we can kind of read Dr. Luke's writing, and he says that the, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and the prayers. They didn't just devote themselves to prayer. They didn't just devote themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, but breaking bread, right? It was a thing that was in 
the early church, it was a common theme. They broke bread together. Let's be people that break bread. Let's be people that give that space, give it attention. Eating and drinking for the Christian becomes sacred. It becomes more than a way to fill our belly, but a way to, a means by which we remember what our Savior has done. Let's bring the bread to the world. Let's send it out. People are hungry. We have the bread. Let's invite others to the table. People are hungry. I just, I just feel like I just want to encourage us today. Like, People do care, and they are looking. They are searching. And when we realize what we have, I just believe as we, in this revelation of the cross, I pray that we never graduate from the gospel. I pray, you know, one of my buddies says this a lot. He's like, we never graduate from the gospel. I'm like, yes, dude. I always want to be like a child. I always want to come to the table. I always want to have faith where I'm not just looking past that. Like, this is everything. This is where we come together. I pray we never move on because, oh, it's what, you know, I don't, I know, I know, I know, but like, do you really? <laughs> like, the gospel does change you. That, it is literally our source of change. If we want to change, it is our source of change. <laughs> So it's a pretty big deal. It is our crux. It is the starting place of change. So what if we gave ourselves to the breaking of bread, remembering what God has done for us? How much would our lives look different? So here is my invitation to us today. Let's come to the table. Come to the table. Bring yourself to God and let him come into you and transform your heart and fill you with bread that will satisfy your hunger. It is incredible, but this is a continual thing. So here are the main things. The bread represents his body given for us. The cup symbolizes the blood of Christ. Number two, communion is a continual remembrance of a one-time thing. We talked about that. We remember again and again and again, but it is a one-time thing. At the table, we remember that Jesus changes our position And number four, he is both the bread that was broken and the bread that satisfies our hearts. And number five, the bread was blessed and the bread was broken and given for us. This is good news. I hope you have a greater understanding of communion today. I hope your heart is lifted and encouraged because Jesus gave himself for you that you might be made whole in his image. We are the bride of Christ, and he wants to, he's presented us to the Father, blameless and holy. That's amazing. Let's pray together. Bow your heads. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you have spoken to us through the word of God and that we can understand you more through it. I pray that as we meditate on these things, Lord, that we would have a deeper understanding of what you actually did but that we wouldn't be sorrowful and that we would have sorrow, Lord, but that we wouldn't stay there, God, but that we would actually be filled with joy. Communion is a good thing. <laughs> this is the good news. I pray that we wouldn't wallow in shame, but realize that your blood paid for shame to leave. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for that truth. Lord, I pray that we would give thanks. Just like the, the word Eucharisto, Lord, it means to give thanks, God. I pray that when we come to the table that we wouldn't look inward, but that we would actually look up to you. <laughs> the bread is and the cup is not about us. <laughs> it's about you. So God, I pray that we would lean in. And God, that we wouldn't give up, Lord, but that we keep pressing forward in no matter what situation we're in today. In the name of Jesus, I pray a blessing over everyone. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.